You're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby Sevens in Olympic year. I'm Burnsy, i got my boy Mitch alongside me and we are reviewing and reveling in the Perth Sevens that came to a dramatic conclusion over the weekend. Some new champions crowned in the women's competition, a whole lot of action in the men's and all good times all round, eh, Mitchy boy? Mate, I am fatigued. This is most probably what it feels like, just being a super fan nowadays. And admittedly, perhaps not as tired as some of the players will be on that long-haul flight back from Australia to their various shores. But, wow, it's a roller coaster out there. I have got zero sympathy for those players. Absolutely zero. Do you, like, see what a good time they're all having out there for the duration? All you heard spoken about in all the interviews, was how good the beach was. So I think everyone had a pretty good time. There is an amazing, amazing video as well of the Irish girls all going into the sea in full kit, boots and all. I think they take the trophy with them and then splashing around in celebration on the coast. How how big would that celebration be? What, mate, you, you must remember the first time you won a series. Yeah, we didn't have a beach. It was in Japan when there was a leg in Tokyo. And... Oh, it was amazing. Um, but they did a very, it's the only place as far as I'm aware that do quite a formal press conference immediately after the final. Very Japanese that. Yeah. And it was full of, full of press and I'd never done a press conference like this and, uh, went up the front and I suddenly, the fatigue and the dehydration and the excitement of the tournament came back to bite me while I had all these cameras and microphones in my face. And I just went, what is a sheet? And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to throw up here. So I had to pause the interviews and get someone to bring me a Lucasade or Powerade. There are various drinks out there and we're open to sponsorship on the pod. Um, <laughs> keep I'm it a open. Rebel, Matt, myself, yeah. <laughs> I'll take a Rebel. Yeah, I would have taken a Rebel at that moment. Probably would have been the best drink I could have done with. Um, yeah, and I had to just get some sugar in me. I was, I was battling in all sorts. Um, Anyway, I got through that and uh, went and then got naked and celebrated with the lads in the changing room. Yeah, you never forget it. Great times and no doubt. Full nakedness? Oh, goodness me, of course. Yeah. Was that the vibe? Was that the England vibe back in the day? It's just full nakedness. Well, that's generally, you know, win or lose in the changing room, isn't it? Like at some point, there's full <laughs> nakedness in the changing room, in the room, on the bar. What? <laughs> um but the Irish girls will have taken the celebrations just as seriously as their rugby, I imagine. Um, so I look forward to some some stories on that front. But just while you're talking about the beach in Perth, it was the gift that kept on giving, wasn't it, in terms of content? Because there's some pretty thirst-trappy content coming out on Rugby Pass, World Rugby, the Sevens account, uh, whether that's the Argentina men 
doing their mobility work. That was pretty widely covered, wasn't it, on the socials? Explain to me thirst trapping. What is thirst trapping? Mate, I don't know. It's a phrase in the, of the modern world. But as far as I understand, it's like making, you know, posts that are like, you know, lure you in for things other than maybe rugby. Um, are, you tell, are you telling me that sex still sells, Mitch? I think it will never stop selling. And uh, and I, sh- I foolishly showed my wife that video of the Argentina men doing their mobility on the beach. I tell you what, they are in some nick. Even Gaston, and I say even Gaston, because I'm sure he's in the shape of his life. He was never one of the ones you'd look around the pool and think, crikey, I want his gym program. But he looks unbelievable in his old age. I mean, not bad for a guy who's a million years old. A million years old, but he's got a million abs. Tell you what, like Rodrigo Iscro, who was who was back and right straight into the dream team. It's like he'd never been away. I can they not manufacture kit big enough for him? Like, can he not go and exercise up because he does look? He looks like a cash machine, like an ATM, a big rectangular lump in that <laughs> pale blue and white. But I kind of think like there has to be a size up. There's got to be an Iscro size. What are the regs on short sizes? Like how how sort of limited can the material be on a pair of shorts until someone at World Rugby says, hang on, that's not legit? As in like if you went out in a pair of pale blue and white budgie smugglers with the Los Pumas Sevens logo on, like, you know, is that play on? Well, I feel like I feel like the Russian women, they really sort of set the tone a few years ago and obviously they're no longer with us. So the Aussie girls haven't shied away from picking up the mantle on that front. But definitely the Argentinian lads are trying to hunt them down. Maybe, well, I mean, there's positive correlation there. The shorter the shorts, the more series events you win. Do you, well, do you know what? I'm a big fan of, of the short shorts. I was always, the thing is, I never found short short enough because I'm short. So I was always having to roll them up. So underneath my shirt, there was usually a couple of rolls of shorts at the top just to shorten them up. Like they, they just couldn't figure out the dimensions of your body to create short shorts on a man already <laughs> sub five foot out there. 5'10", thank you. You are not 5'10". Yeah, I am. <laughs> Said is... it in all my stats. Mate, this is this is an honest pod, not a hinge profile, my friend. Let's not go lying about inches. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let, let's just touch a little bit more on Perk because there was some absolute madness out there in terms of um, the event. Looked a little bit sparse on the crowd front on the Friday, uh, but really picked up over the weekend. You see the stuff with the ballerinas on the pitch. Yeah, at half time. Yeah, and the Canadians couldn't kick off for the second half because the ballerina performance was still still going on. Like it's so weird. I was de- I love it. I was desperate for the players to just get involved on the back of that. That would have been uh, that would have been ideal content. Distracting that. I was trying to think like how would I react to that. I think part of me, if I was losing in the game or it wasn't going too well, I would have been really pissed off. I would have been telling them to get the f off the pitch. Um, but that's not the way I would want to behave around that. I'd want to embrace it and feel the fun of it. But different mindset, isn't it? When you're playing, you're midway through a game, you're very focused. And then someone's dancing like right next to you when you're about to kick off. Yeah, but we heard from Emma Oren last episode and she absolutely loved it. She said, all the girls love it. They say, bring the fun. Yeah. And, you know, this is it's the generation coming through of young players that, that get it in a way that perhaps 
previous generations didn't. Um, and I think Seven's players have always embraced the fun side. It's always been part of it. So you've had to embrace it, whether that's just the fact that everyone in the crowd is having a party while you're grafting your backside off or whether that is things going on the pitch now where it's got to all the content stuff and, and the works. I would say, talking of the content, did you see Jordan Conroy get absolutely mugged off by the Instagram account? No. It was the clip of no. him getting dished off by Gonzalez, who hasn't been dished off by him. Um, but it was Conroy versus Gonzalez, only one winner. And I thought, tough, tough on Geordie boy. But we've all been mugged off on socials. So good to see other people yeah. getting the hit. Shout out Ben Lamb, everybody. Shout out Ben Lamb. Um... <laughs> Make it a weekly thing. Why not? Make it a weekly thing. Um, should, we, should we talk about ruggers? Where do we start? Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the blokes. Because we're sort of on that already. Um, going from the top down, Argentina, they're going to win the series then, are they? Too good, aren't they? They're just too good. Do you like the final? Who was my who was my pick for this? We'll come to Mystic Mitch in a second. But who, where was, what was I? Crystal Ball Burnsy? Crystal Ball Burnsy said Aussie men, didn't you? Aussie men. And I thought, wow, they've gone on a journey, this competition. They're going to come into this final home opportunity for them as well they were absolutely nowhere I mean greatest respect to them they had a great tournament but they were nowhere I mean that that final was just a a non-entity Argentina had it wrapped up within eight minutes nine minutes something like that it was just done and dusted and looked so easy for them well it was a bit of a tussle for a bit but then there was just a flurry of scores from Argentina wasn't it and fortunately Gonzalez got one over um, at the end for Australia to kind of save a bit of face on the scoreboard but yeah it was one-way traffic um this is the thing this is the next step up for Argentina though isn't it they are now final ready um it's not alien territory for them anymore they know what it's like being in that arena and whilst they look shell-shocked think back to Dubai when they didn't quite get it right and they looked a little bit wobbly in the final none of that anymore Iskro and Mineta both dream team both like linking up like they've never been apart. His fitness looked great as well because you would have had a question mark about him coming from 15s and maybe bulking down a little bit and also reconditioning himself. But, you know, Chucky Stannard last week, he said, you know, they're big blokes as well. They're looking destructible in everything they do. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, poor, like poor old Aussie having to meet them in the final because they just look completely unbeatable at the moment. They do, and it was the usual suspects, but the only one I'd add into the mix that we don't talk about a lot was Graziano. I thought he looked like he was throwing himself around. Another big unit. These guys that probably didn't don't get the recognition for the physicality they possess in that team, but he had some clout. And I think it was a good result for the Aussie men, though. I think they'll be pleased for that. Nice at home tourney as well, isn't it? When you're launching a home tournament, you want your home teams to go well. So uh, for both the home teams to get to the top tier of the tourney anyway um, despite not coming away with the trophies was a good thing and finals day sold out in Perth do you know who's winding back the bloody years out there German Schultz I uh, he's looking he's looking better than ever I because you know I thought oh maybe he's gonna be on his way out but he's flying like, you know, he's like one of the absolute linchpins again and yeah just like, like super impressed I think they seem to rotate quite nicely they've got enough uh, squad depth now that it's seamless rotations whether that's the big boys 
probably only unreplaceable player is Mineta because of the type of player he is. Um, I mean, Schultz is, he's not old. He's 29, I think. So he's like, you know, but he's on the older scale of things. I mean, he doesn't look 29. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do you, Bernsey. Neither do you. <laughs> he's had a tough paper round, old German. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tough call. This is harking back to the early days of the pod when Chippy was here just absolutely dishing it to the Argentinian lads. Hey, they've come a long way, the Argentinian boys, when they were just cannon fodder for Chippy's banter and now they're just picking up trophies left, right and Chelsea. What about the Aussie men then? So, two finals in a row, beaten by the best team in the world in both of them. So, absolutely no shame in that. And taking down some big scalps on the way. That win in the semi-final against Fiji, you know, that's big in any team's terms. But also just getting on a roll out there. And, you know, they've got hoops to come. Our boy hoops. So it's kind of, it's looking good for them, I think. Yeah, they've got no, a lot I of think threats. They've kind of, I feel like they've kind of crept up behind everyone, caught everyone a bit unawares. I'm not sure that people were really, you know, you look across the squad and maybe people are thinking they're going to be really solid. But they're sat there, they were, they're joining points with Fiji at the moment on the standings overall. Um, so currently sat in that third spot, but three tournaments gone. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, Birdsey, but three tournaments gone. Obviously, Argentina look like they're running away with it. Oz, Fiji, battling it out. South Africa, there are thereabouts and whatever. It's all, it's all still tight at this stage after three tournaments, but there's only five left. After the next I one, know. we're halfway through, mate. Well, well, there's... Well, four left. It's four really. left. Yeah. There's four, there's four left. There's four left, and then it's the grand final. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned Fiji, sat in second. I mean, I just like look at them and I think, are they that good? Are they? Ooh. Are they the second? I know, I know, I know. You should never speak ill of Fiji in sevens, but I look at them. I think, are you actually the second best team on the series? I feel that they're they're coughing and spluttering their way to sort of high ish place finishes but i don't look at them and think these guys are gonna win and they haven't won a cup for i think 16 events 17 events they didn't win one all last year so you've got to go all the way back to the season before it's one of their longest barren runs ever i'm with you they don't really look like a team that's going to win a tournament but if you're coughing and spluttering looks like they are playing then you're going to do all right and that's kind of the thing isn't it across the season it's about how can you just keep clawing points here and there and what are they, two-fourths and a third this year? So that's that's consistent. Like They're there or thereabouts. They just don't have that kind of stardust to get them to the final and then and to get a trophy in the cabinet, which they'll need. And I say they'll need. They'll need going into the Olympics for the belief and to understand how to win with this group of players. But also, BG coach, Ben Gollings, he'll be needing that just to stop people from knocking on his door on the islands because they do not give you an easy ride as a coach down there. He'll be up against it. He'll be going home to answer some questions from the press, probably from some people in the organisation as well. Um, hopefully he's got the full support of everyone, the nation, the organisation, but I think he'll be having to answer some questions about when are they getting a trophy. It is so crazy to be talking about Fiji and saying that they're lacking stardust to get to a final because that's that is in their DNA. Like, well, they that's are, probably the wrong turn of phrase, isn't it? They got a they got a galaxy of stars. Well, that's it. I mean, actually, they do have stardust. They do have 
I mean, the highlight reel would be half as long without them in it still, even though they're not winning. But they're just not able to put it together. Bit ill-disciplined, I think, is a bit is a factor, which is kind of harking back to some of the previous teams we've seen come out of Fiji over the years. But come the Olympics, might be a different story because they always seem to unearth someone, don't they? I mean, I, I watched the Fiji Coral Coast Sevens and like, Semi Kunatani was out there playing again. Do we see Big Semi make a return? Do we see a few old legends? I know that Jerry Two-Eye's been off the boil, but does he come to the fore? And I bet you there's some bloke we've never even heard about who's going to He's going to get picked and he's going to light it up come Paris. I can't I, I can't see them bringing too many new faces. I don't know. I mean, Talafolo is still doing a great job for them, leading from the front. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's the oodles of talent. I don't think that's their issue. It's just getting it all together. They have got a bit of a new squad this year. We'll forget that. And three tournaments, maybe we'll give them a bit of grace. And if they polish off a couple of cup trophies, and then they'll be top of the pile. So... But what about, I was going to say, talk about their neighbours, relatively speaking, the, the next closest yeah, nation, New Zealand. Geography 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, confirmed. They are definitely the next closest nation, geographically. Um, uh, Samoa, yeah. are they not? Are they not? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we, you are welcome well, to go on to New Zealand. I was going to yeah. go on to both of them, actually. <laughs> Um, say, as two teams, <laughs> as two teams that that are underperforming, based on uh, how we thought they'd go this year. Start with Summer. I mean, they've made me look stupid because I kept saying coming into it that they might, you know, take a few hides and win a couple of trophies. Well, they've been, they've not really been close. They still look dangerous. They go to the power game. They hit on the edge with the big boys and offload. Simple formula done really well, and they're hard to play against. But just not able to string the results together. And they're now down in that relegation zone, which, you know, what that does to your mindset, who knows. But I'm more interested in New Zealand, mate. We're just so not used to seeing this. Speaking of men under pressure, Tomasi Dharma. Um, yeah, ninth place finish. Uh, they got beaten by France for the first time in five years. And they didn't just get beaten. They got hammered. They got a late try as well to put a bit of gloss on that scoreboard. But they got well beaten by France. I don't know, Matt. I'm going to throw this out there to you, and we haven't discussed this before. Are New Zealand too old? Have they got too many old-timers in there? They've got Mickelson. They've got Malia. They've got Curry. Uh, who else have they got in there? He's been around. Dylan Collier as well. Um, and yeah, they've got like guys like Leroy Carter, Rockley Sowa, and all that. But I feel that those older characters weren't around for much of last season when they were really absolutely flying. And if they got like a bit of the blend wrong, mm. over over to you, Mitch, go and bury a few old, old geezers for me. Yeah. I've got to hold the back of the old geezers. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know, mate. I really don't know because the blend, you look across the squad, I think they've got the blend right. You know, the ideal yeah. scenario is you have a couple of the old boys alongside some of the exciting youngsters because they do have guys at the other end of the spectrum as well, like Cody Vide, 19 years old. Um, Finney Ananofo, he's, what is he, 20, 21, 20, 21? 
He's he's dynamite as well. When well, they get dynamite. him going, yeah, mate, he's, he'd be an absolute nuisance to play against. Um, uh, and then you've got a couple of guys in the middle like Leroy Carter, who are going to be you know build your squad around him for the future. But uh, I don't know. I, I think you have established ways of existing, don't you, in a team? And one of those is dictated to by the coach, uh, and they are clockwork in there for a good amount of time and he got a good amount of success. They've now, obviously Tomasi was in the setup as well, but the dynamic totally shifts. Things totally shift. Tomasi's learning his way as the head coach of the team. Maybe there are some changes filtering through and it's all disruptive. And the beauty of elite sport is that small changes can make big differences one way or t'other. And for New Zealand at the moment, it's t'other. Well, all I'm saying... Is Dylan Collier, 32. Scott Curry, 35. Turns 36 before the Olympics. Tim Mickelson, 37. Will be 38 in August. Did I tell you about a conversation I had with Kurt Baker? What, Kurt? With Kurt Baker. Um, Kurt Baker. Thumb, double thumbs up to Kurt if he's listening. Um, so we were in, uh, it was at the World Cup, at the last World Cup in Cape Town. And my swan song. So it was with, with England in Cape Town at the last World Cup. And we were having beers afterwards. And I said to Kurt, I said, mate, surely you're hanging up the boots, moving on. Like, how are you still going? And he said, mate, life's too good. Life's too good. We still get paid okay. It's a good setup. We live in Mount Manganui. And, you know, so maybe all the old boys are thinking life's too good. And they're hanging around. But then that's for the coach to decide if they're still working and delivering the deliverables. Yeah, but I mean, life might be too good for them, but the results ain't too good for the people. Mm. So, yeah, that's all good. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm throwing it out there, Mitch. You know, you retired age 33, 33, were you? Um, You're 34 now. Yeah, 33, probably, yeah. Yeah. So do you think your your body could have gone another cycle or is it just like psychologically you just didn't want it anymore or... The group had moved on. What were some of the factors at play? Yeah, you kind of covered a few of them to vary. They all play a role to varying degrees. Um, I think with the right um, infrastructure and the right program, I definitely could have carried on and would have enjoyed that. Um, the but a lot of the group had moved on, so a lot of the guys I was playing with had moved on. Maybe for similar reasons, to be fair, like the program obviously took a massive shift, and. So after the Tokyo Olympics, a lot of the lads moved on. So it's a different experience um, if you're going to carry on playing with a much younger group. Um, so that was the reason. I, I do think if we'd had a different program to stay on with, with GB, then I would still be playing. Um, but I, if if I was, you know, able to carry on. But I think physically I had it in me to carry on going, yeah, with with the right support. But the difficulty for GB, and we'll come on to where they sit, the GB men is that there's not, um, they don't have the structure around their program to support them that well. And as an older athlete, that makes life really difficult because it's no good training by yourself. You need, you need the physio support. You need the kind of wraparound support to keep you going. And that's the reality of it. Like at those high, if you're going to push and push to meet the high demands that you need to, to be competitive. There you go. All right. USA, they were your surprise package. Mm. And I I think that they were. I think that they sufficiently surprised for them to 
for you to get a point on that one. You don't get anything for picking Fiji as the winners, but you do get something for USA being the surprise package because they came up with some big results. They went all right. They might not got the best finish in terms of placing, but they finally felt a threat again. Yeah. And like seventh, they finished in the end is a good result. And they they were looking pretty dross at moments in the opening two. And they were, they were looking pretty shabby. And it just, there was a couple of scores where you think they clicked. And I thought they looked like they had each other's backs. They looked like they're excited to be there. Um, and those are the kind of intangibles you kind of look for to see where a team's going. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a good pick, actually. Look, we got to look at the relegation battle because... Well, as USA said, have just jumped I... themselves out of that, haven't they? All right, okay, mate. I've already said that you went all right and you get the point. You don't have to keep banging on about <laughs> it. Um, give it a rest. Well, God, they really have, haven't they? They have. Well, well, I mean, they're two points above the relegation zone in eighth. But we're looking at Samoa, Spain, Canada, and GB battling it out. GB rock bottom at the moment. And you have to say that certainly all four of those sides look significantly off the pace at the moment of, I'm going to say top five, because I think Argentina, Fiji, Australia, South Africa and Ireland are kind of operating in a little bit of a different sphere. I think I'd put New Zealand in that mix as well. Tops. Yeah. You put New Zealand in there? Yeah. Maybe I'd take South Africa out. I'd put Ireland above South Africa, even though they sit below them in the standings. And then you've got France, New Zealand, South Africa. And then I think you've got USA, Samoa, Spain, Canada, GB. I think there's like three sort of different mini leagues going on in there at the moment. But we're talking about the bottom. We're talking about the bottom. Like, horrible place to be. It, what it, do you think about those teams? Uh, I think, whether they were thinking it or not, some of those bottom teams have got to be seeing the writing on the wall and acknowledging that they're going to be probably looking at the relegation scrap in Madrid rather than the top eight. And what does that mean for you? Pfft. If anything, maybe it takes the heat off the results in the next few, allows you to work on some stuff without feeling the pressure of trying to beat those around you. But I say that it takes the pressure off that. You need to learn how to beat those around you because those are the guys that you're going to be scrapping it against um, come Madrid, I suppose. Mate, you can't be resigning yourself to relegation after three tournaments and there's four left. Like You've got to be going out there. And going balls to the wall, surely. I don't know, yeah, but don't get me wrong. I, I don't think acknowledging the reality of the situation means that you just cruise into the tournament. I'm not suggesting that they go in and just have a jolly and like not bother. And like, oh, <laughs> we finished last. Like, who cares? A hundred, you still... <laughs> oh, look, the, the Canadians have got a, a ninth place final coming up. But look, look at them in the stand. They're having a whale of a time out there. <laughs> I mean, you still go, obviously, you still work and scrap and everything, but the focus just shifts a little bit um, and you spend less time talking about the placings and the points around you, um, which in a, to a large degree can be an energy sapper. Like Maybe it motivates you. For some teams, it might do. And I'm thinking, you know, USA, Sama, they're right on the cusp there. They are going to be talking about it and they are going to be keeping an eye on it because they're that bit closer to it. Uh, I suggest perhaps GB Canada it's a different story and you just think well if we get out of it great we get out of it but let's not worry too much about it if we end up in the Madrid fight then we deliver some of our best rugby at that point and then you think what do we need to do now 
to get to that point playing our best rugby. And a lot of these guys are going to be fighting against each other for Olympic qualification as well. <sighs> so there's so much going on. And, uh, and that's nerve-wracking for GB. Obviously, not only they're going to be playing South Africa, who are up the top of the towards the top end of the table, but Spain are going well, aren't they? Well, Spain were my surprise package, but you know they still sort of failed to really deliver for me. Yeah, but they, they were, are they were go, better. They are, Step up, I'd say. They, uh, they, they get, they're getting better. I like them. I like the way they play. I like some of their players. I really like Moreno. I think um, uh, Lopez is really good. They've got Paul Pla, who's another member of the Million Years Old crew, along with Gaston Revol and and all those Kiwis that I was slagging off earlier. Um, I, I think there's something about the way they play. I think they're difficult to play against. And yeah, it's good to see them getting better because I think as well, in terms of that Madrid climax, it would be catastrophic if they were to get relegated in Madrid. Can you imagine the ultimate vibe sapper in Atletico Madrid Stadium and Spain get relegated. So I kind of want them to be in the top eight to assure that they're going to be here next season. But certainly if they're in the bottom four, I want them to be riding high so that they can save their skin. Even though I love so many of those teams down in the Challenger. Oh, man, it's, it's jeopardy everywhere. Well, you've, you've, you've clearly forgotten your roots there because if GB do end up in that scrap, then the Madrid tournament can absolutely do one for all I care. As we've just been talking about Madrid, I am going to go Espanol and say from Chicos to Chicas, as we had a bit of history with the Irish women winning their first ever cup trophy in sevens history. Incredible scenes, incredible bunch of women. I think it's not well disguised. I'm a big fan of the Irish women's sevens team. And... I believe that they are the first side who isn't New Zealand or Australia to win a cup final since USA did it. Enormous for them, even bigger for the women's game. So good, so healthy. Amazing for Irish women's rugby as well. And they are a popular bunch of girls. I think everyone was behind them. I saw on Instagram, Stacey Wacker was was dropping saying, what a group of girls. It's what all the hard work's paying off now. Uh, and they have. They've just steadily, incrementally got better and better and better. And they deserve this. They're playing some great stuff. Um, got a good squad now. And there's a there's a couple of like the pillars of the team, the kind of spine of the team, just delivering to the next level. And it was no easy feat. They had the the big guns in the final. So to topple the Aussie girls who are top of the tree is something pretty special. Yeah, in their home tournament as well. We're going to get onto the Aussie girls in a second, but I think we've, we've touched on consistency of group before and kind of going on the journey. These Irish girls, they've been on the journey. Stacey Flood, Lucy Mulhall, Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, they have been, they've played on cabbage patches out in Eastern Europe uh, in the lowest ranks of rugby Europe. They have battled all the way up and... The culmination of that was when they qualified for the Olympics for the first ever time in Toulouse with that big victory over Fiji. You saw the emotion. You saw all those fans who travelled over. And, you know, no matter where you go in the world, there's always plenty of Irish to fill a stadium and and keep the beers, uh, the beers, the bars busy. Well, you were keeping the bar busy that night, Burnsy, if I remember, because we joined them for the celebrations, didn't we? 
in Toulouse. Yeah. Uh, as I like to call it, my inspiration juice, because, I mean, do you want to go into it? Do you want to go into that table tennis when I smoked you and Greg O'Shea in the hotel lobby afterwards? That was actually a remarkable uh, moment because you could barely see at that stage of the night, let alone strike a ball, I thought. And I think I, the re- just for the record, like I couldn't play because I was in stitches of laughter. Um, but the fact <laughs> you pretty much had your eyes closed and you were swaying from side to side and yet you were still dishing me up on the table tennis table is remarkable like the state of flow that i hear after i think the 18th tequila and being back downstairs in that hotel i greg greg o'shea fell off his chair because he <laughs> laughed he's laughing he thought who are these two complete clowns <laughs> anyway i blame i blame, blame the irish, I blame the irish i blame the irish women's team for for buying me too many drinks that night but they're if there's a nation that's that's going to buy a lot of drinks to celebrate this victory, that would be them. Mate, it is massive for them, and they they really deserved it in that final. Obviously, it's just a one-score game, but that's kind of the way that finals go. But I'm not going to say they look comfortable, but they weren't sort of like hanging from the ropes right at the end. They had control of the ball. They looked really composed. And I think up against that super talented Aussie team with the weight of the rugby nation of Australia behind them. That, that's what makes it even more impressive. I don't know what else to add to that. You had me in the moment yeah. there. I was just thinking, gosh, it's remarkable. It's great. But you know what? Worth mentioning as well. The backdrop of uh, women's rugby in Ireland over the last kind of two years, this is this is a big, big marker and a big moment that I think women's rugby needed over in Ireland. Let's talk Aussie. Should we talk discipline? I think we've got to talk discipline, haven't we? Yeah, they love a card. They love a card. The Levi's love a card. Tegan, yellow card in the final. That proved to be pretty costly. And look, I I feel for Maddie. And I really hope that she doesn't get lots of negativity off the back of it. She was suspended for the start of the tournament off the back of the red card that she received in the final against France in Cape Town. She came back and she picked up a red card for a high tackle against New Zealand. Georgia Miller had already been red carded in the same game. So they ended up six on six. I mean, there's no malice in the in the tackle. Like for me, it was like more of a, it's almost like a high soak tackle. Someone else had come in and made the hit and she was high coming in as the secondary, but still contact to the head. And it's just a technique thing. I know that they're really aggressive in the way they defend. There's some great shots of them smoking USA players in the semi-final but but yeah I don't know it seems like a technique thing but yeah proven costly for them isn't it well it could it could do I mean it's sort of they're getting away with it at the moment we discussed this a bit after Dubai didn't we when they had a couple of uh, instances there I think if you're going to play on the edge in terms of being you know ruthless with your defense going to make big shots sometimes you're going to go over the edge I also think for Maddie uh, she's she's got the blessing of being tall. Um, I had to present her with the top try scorer trophy last at the end of last season, and when I found out, obviously I knew it was her because everyone knew by that point how the tries had finished up. And I thought, oh please, anyone but six foot whatever she is, Maddie Levi. Uh, so I had to walk on stage on my tiptoes and my high heels. Um, but she's she's tall. She's taller than a lot of the girls out there. So that counts against her in these scenarios. She's going to have to learn to dip, um, change her levels. I 
quick coaching point, love talking about changing the levels. Like rugby is not played standing at one height. You've got to play low, got to play high. Um, and sometimes that's more of a challenge for the for the taller players. Um, maybe it's her AFL background as well. Because like, they absolutely write each other off in that. At least they used to in the old school. They've they've uh, cleaned up their act a lot on the contact, haven't they, in the AFL. But maybe that's not helping her. But as a secondary, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because, well, you're going to be able to explain it a lot better. You kind of have to be stood up because you need to have your head on a swivel for the offload to move on to the next person. And then the player comes to drop and you're already quite high and then you try and drop and suddenly it's a shoulder in the face. So like, I don't know. I don't know how much guilt there is there. It's just kind of bad luck. What, what would you play shallow sweeper a lot? Mm-hmm. So you would have been coming in secondary a few times. Yeah, and you would I have been the, dealing with that. The kick. So we used to, we used to train as the secondary. Sometimes you'd make the, shoulder contact so you'd make the hit before you then try to throw them and and probably jack or ball or or fire through but this was probably before the microscope was put on the contact um scenario and shoulder to the head so it is really difficult your window your target window is tiny um it's a really, really difficult one really difficult one i wonder whether in those scenarios you just don't put a shot in as the secondary you trust that the first tackler is gonna basically fell the ball carrier and you just go for the grab throw if you want to get on the ball so you're not actually making a shoulder contact you're almost going with your hands to throw the player to deck so that then you can be the the jackler on the ball and, and steal ball or fire through but yeah it's not easy it's not easy but the referees are out there with a the microscope on it trying to look after people which i appreciate i think the players do appreciate it's just uh sometimes you, you're gonna get it wrong and a red card can be costly i mean in that game Obviously, there was red card apiece, so 6v6, less of an issue. But, you know, they start getting towards, you know, you think, look ahead towards the Olympics. Their trend of cards comes in, key games. So I'm sure it's something that they're discussing. But I felt for Maddie because she was really upset on the sideline. I think she probably worried that she'd let people down. Yeah, I think that people forget how young she is as well. And, you know, she's not going out there to maliciously knock people's heads off. There's a bad bit of luck there i should also clarify that tegan didn't get a yellow card in the final she got an hia that's why she went off <laughs> so <laughs> they did they did have a yellow card in the final who did that go to maybe i'm misremembering uh it was charlotte got a yellow oh that's it that's it so yeah so so sorry tegan charlotte naughty step for you nah um look um Really, like, really devastating for them. Breathes amazing life into the series. Don't get me wrong. Australia still 100% the team to beat. But if Ireland can build on that and also France build on the fact that, you know, they beat New Zealand in Cape Town and that they were in another semi-final, then, you know, I think that, I think it's really exciting. Really, really good for the women's competition. Look, I feel a bit bad doing this because we've kind of done it to the men's team. But and I don't want to dance on the grave of the women's team prematurely here either. But Black Ferns are they in a crisis? Ooh, I love the drama. You're such a journo, Burnsy, just stirring up drama where there might not be any. But I wouldn't. I didn't think they were in a, a dangerous place going into Perth. 
But another, not only have they not, have they failed to progress beyond where they were, because I said they maybe they'll pull a, pull a gold out on this one, but they've actually gone backwards, results-wise. They've gone the wrong way, and that's not what you want. And I'm trying to think why. I mean, who knows? Who knows? They had uh, Tyler was back, no longer Nathan Wong, but King on the back of her shirt um, after she was married over the Christmas break. I thought she would be positive for them. I think they're missing Gossie, uh, Sarah Harini, who's out with an ACL. So they're going to have to get used to playing without her. But for me, she's that's been the main difference and the reason that they're probably struggling. She's she's a nuts and bolts player. She's a leader. And that's probably thrown them off. But you're right. You know, New Zealand sevens, men's and women's, was so strong. Always the stronghold. And both teams looking a bit wobbly. I mean, wobbly is relative. Blackfern's still second place in the standing, so they're probably not panic stations, but I wonder where they'll go next. Yeah, I wonder, is it a bit skewed? Because because Australia lost to GB in the pool, it meant it kind of stuffed up all the seedings, and that's why New Zealand and Australia met in the quarterfinals. So ultimately, New Zealand actually only lost one game, but it was to Australia in the quarterfinals and that's how they ended up in fifth position. I think France would be really disappointed to have, um, to have failed to get past the quarterfinals, got beaten by USA who, who looked reinvigorated. So I think maybe the fact that Australia beat New Zealand in the quarters kind of skewed things a little bit, but certainly they are not at their fluid, most intimidating at the moment. They're not whopping teams. And I think that, it's going to be the more oxygen that them not making finals gives other teams and their belief around beating them, the harder it's going to be for them to get back on the horse. Yeah, I think you signed up pretty nicely there, mate. But I think that'd be their conversation at home. They'll look at the tournament and think, actually, we lost one game. It just happened to be at a bad stage of the tournament. Um, but you mentioned there, though, good result for GB in the group, beating Oz. That's good for belief. Talking about mindset a lot here and how you feel around the the other teams on the series. That was a great result for GB. First time they've ever beaten uh, Australia massive. on the series. Yeah. Massive, massive. They look they look really, really good. That's another point for Mystic Mitch because you picked them as the surprise package and they picked up a bronze. They smoked USA in that bronze medal match. So I think the thing for them that was really impressive was that they, they, they built on that victory over Australia. I think in times gone by, they've maybe got a big result and then they've unraveled a little bit or they've they haven't shown up at the next challenge but they got through that quarter only just they they honestly I thought they didn't they've done their best to give Canada a score late on and I thought the referee was pretty quick on the whistle on that last play but um but yeah when things are going all right for you you make your own luck don't you well beat Canada twice in the same competition. So, you know, that's that speaks volumes. But then to bounce back after the loss to Ireland and go really, really well against USA, who definitely had their moments. They looked a little bit sharper than they have done in recent times. Uh, yeah, I think awesome. Isla Norman Bell, what do you reckon? She's now the playmaker mm. for GB. And yeah, they're, they're, they're functioning a little bit differently. Meg Jones is obviously an incredible player, but Isla Norman Bell brings... I don't know, like more of a, a facilitation role with her game. She's got an amazing individual try, but others around her seem to be really flourishing. That was such a good try, wasn't it? They kicked through, quick tap penalty, kick back into backfield space, bit of football and skill 
Yeah, that was delightful. Yeah, Isla, you know, she's such a skillful player. Um, I saw her when she was still pretty fresh into the program in the lead up to the Commonwealths, and she, that was her first year, I think. She had touch background, touch rugby background from New Zealand, and she's very skillful, got good pass, good footwork, uh, and feels the game really nicely. And I think you're absolutely right. She gives a bit of glue to the people around her, but probably also allows a bit more space for those around her to play a bit more and invites people to play. Um, she could be a cracking player. I look forward to continuing to, to get better and better. I think if you're the regular playmaker in that, you've also got to be like really solid on the defensive side of the ball as well um, and be really gritty, uh, which obviously like Meg has that in spades. Um, not that we should just compare, but reality is, if we're expecting Meg Jones to come back into the fray at some stage ahead of the Olympics, then uh, maybe those two will be fighting out for position or perhaps they'll complement each other and they'll both play. Right, all eyes on the relegation battle. We did the men. Let's have a look at the women. GB, with it's amazing actually, with that win, have propelled themselves. So they're out of the relegation zone. They're in eighth place and there's a bit more of a gap here because Brazil have dropped down. They're 10 points below GB, and then you've got Japan, South Africa, Spain. Spain look a bit all at sea at the moment, in my opinion. South Africa are a funny one because they beat GB and they they show real moments of quality, but they don't seem to be able to do it consistently within a tournament. So they've ended up finishing this one, you know, third from bottom. They got 10th position, haven't they? And you think, well... Yeah, you've had some big moments, but they need to kind of deliver back-to-back, -back, don't they? Well, that's on first year on the series for you, isn't it? You know, that consistency is the hardest thing to achieve and it only comes with time for the players and getting used to going back-to-back. -back. So um, maybe they'll come as the season progresses, but you think they're going to struggle to climb out of there. Same, maybe the same with all... I mean, is it too early to say that that's going to be the relegation? I don't want to get too comfortable for the GB fans out there, but that is breathing space. And it's probably, you'd do worse than to suggest that it'd be Brazil, Japan, South Africa and Spain in Madrid going to be scrapping it out. I think you're jumping the gun. There. Oh, am I? You are. Yeah, you're jumping the gun. GB had eight points from their first two events. They got 16 for finishing in bronze out in Perth. So... They've doubled their total in one competition. They're not going to be finishing bronze every time. So, And I think that Brazil are capable of better finishes as well and Japan. So they're going to have to stay on their metal. And I think that maybe that gap gets whittled away and then it's squeaky bum time come the seventh competition. No, I, don't, I disagree. I think GB oh, yeah. will just... All you need to do now is finishing above those teams in, in comps and... Most of that should be within their control. Is, you know, I don't think it's going to be huge freak results for any of those teams. It's just my, that would be my gut. Right, no Mystic Mitch. Lucky old you, Mitchy boy. You can put that phony crystal ball away for one more week. But what are your reflections? How do you, how do you sum all that up? And also, let's have a look ahead to Vancouver, which is only a few weeks away. And I know it's a tournament close to your heart. Do not ask me to sum up a sevens weekend in a matter of moments. It's impossible. It was sounded like that Perth delivered. And it's exactly what you want from a new stop on this revamped series. It looked like a proper party. Uh, and there was some, some awesome rugby. 
A um, couple of turn ups for the books, but largely the big guns getting it done. Mate, Vancouver, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, obviously, they're going from the heat and the sunshine and the beaches to a winter in Canada. Um, but in BC Place, indoor stadium, it's going to be just as raucous, if not more so, with those Canadian fans on the beers. They love it. Um, so roll on, Vancouver. As you say, it's only a few weeks away, but I cannot wait. Best best fancy dress stop on the series. I mean, I, I've seen... I've seen some pretty, pretty outrageous efforts. There are a lot of um, Sasquatches out there one year, which is kind of like a Yeti or an abominable snowman native to the country. Sasquatch. <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. We should actually do a bit more of a study into that and uh, maybe do a poll. Uh, we need something to get the bloody socials rolling, Bernsey. Crikey. Decent, though. New look socials. What do people think? Let us know. Um, just a quick nod on the next one. Let's not forget, it's Vancouver straight into LA. So we've got another back-to-back. It was the especially the series of the no back-to-back tournaments, but this one is, once again, back-to-back in the old-fashioned style of things. So that presents a challenge to the teams. Perth was a standalone. These two are going to be back-to-back. So however things go in Vancouver, it's going to be tough to turn it around for LA at the midpoint of the season when you're already carrying a few bumps and bruises anyway. It's also going to be tough for Burnsy to turn the pods around in between, but we'll do our best. Too right it is. Too right it is. I like it. I like that there's a back-to-back in there as well, because that's a, that's an art in itself in being able to handle the back-to-back. So to have not eradicated it completely, I'm quite on board. Although there is the amateur sevens player within me that thinks, why is it such a big deal playing back-to-back when there's players out there who play weekend after weekend, back-to-back, all summer, and they get mortared every night after they play as well. So I think you guys have been a bit precious about the pressures of the (laughs) back-to-back. Maybe the getting mortared bit actually helps with recovery. I don't think anyone's ever actually tested that. Maybe you should have uh, drunk more WKDs back in the day, and you would have been better. My first tournament... We were in Wellington, New Zealand, back in the good old days of that tourney. And I'm thinking the next one was in Vegas. So we've got 40 hours of travel or something. It's a five-day turnaround because we went from playing on the Sunday to then playing on the Friday night or something. And I'm thinking, well, obviously, we're not going to go out after the tournament. Got to play again. Five days with all the travel. Got to recover. First sniff of the series. First real taste of professional rugby, to be honest. Next minute. We're out in the middle of Wellington. It's absolutely chock full of fans. It's absolutely kicking off. We're in our England polos. We've strolled straight to the front of the queue to the club. We're in there and the skipper's buying your shots. I'm thinking, this is it. There's a whole other side (laughs) to this thing. Yeah. Back in those days, though, in my uh, younger days, I could bounce back and then play again. But some of those older guys must have been struggling in Vegas. Bring it back. Bring out the good old days. Bring back the glory days. That's what I say. Right. Mitchie, it has been a pleasure having your company as ever. Pleasure to have you guys listening in. You can Instagram us. You can tweet us. You can social us any way you want. Do get in touch at 7th Heaven Pod. Shout out to Kian and Quiver for running the socials for us of late. They were looking slick last week, but... From all of us up here, up in the clouds, in seventh heaven, for the time being, it is. Adios. Bye-bye.